Come, linger, and join the conversation as we sit at the feet of Rabbi Jesus in the upper room. In this upper room conversation, Brian and Giles analyze Luke 7, 19 and ask the question, what kind of savior are we looking for? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Upper Room Conversation. This is Brian. Hey, it's Giles. Welcome back. And um, so last week we were talking about, you know, false prophets and these stories and stories or sermons or things that we might be hearing out in the world that tickle our ears and sound real good and maybe have a hint of truth in them. And we really uh, need to be careful and be rooted in scripture in order to be able to decipher those and not be blown around by the wind. It was a good conversation. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I think that, you know, going into this week and thinking about what we're talking about, it sort of comes on the heels of that. And I know it has this week for me, as I'm thinking about what we're going to be talking about today, I'll be able to really speak into it about my own struggles this week in regards to uh, kind of expectations I may set or um, things about who Jesus is and who God is. So um, I'm looking forward to having this conversation, be vulnerable and yeah, honest today. You know, and I want to relay to our listeners and those of you that have been through Kaleo or discipleship or huddle with us or in some form, you know that the structure of it and the, the thing that we call scripture debrief each week, that's such a big part of it and reading with the heart and so I think it's a good time now to to remind our listeners that, you know, these topics and these things that come up, they oftentimes flow out of our daily scripture reading and time with Jesus. And today's in particular, you, Giles was just talking about, you know, his week and the things that he's been reading. But this also, this came out of my group is we're finishing up Luke this week. This was a topic um, when we were, you know, getting some solitude and some rest that came up for me that God just really spoke to me in regards to uh, this this interaction that we see with John the Baptist. Yeah, so Brian, why don't you get us started here? I think, you know, today we're really going to be talking about, for all of us, uh, what kind of Savior are we looking for? And we're going to use John the Baptist sort of as our scriptural reference, but I think we'll be able to talk a little bit about ourselves and maybe even in our culture too. So uh, we'll share a little bit of our own testimony in regards to that. We'll also share some of the things about, again, maybe those things to be a little bit leery of when it comes into who is the Messiah that we're seeking. Right. So I was reading in Luke chapter seven, uh, verses 18 and 19. And, you know, this reading with the heart, you know, we're really trying to listen to the spirit and find a verse that stands and sticks out to us. And this is one that just jumped off the page at me and my mind, it just was like a splinter in my mind and I couldn't get past it. So Luke 7, 18 and 19, John's disciples told him about all these things. There were, Jesus was teaching and there were things going on. John the Baptist is imprisoned at this point for some, a little bit of context and Calling two of his disciples, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we be expecting someone else? And, man, what 
what an interesting interaction and an interesting glimpse into this moment in John the Baptist's life that you know we tend to we tend to lift John the Baptist up on this pedestal and I think even the scriptures even go you know that Jesus does too he says man there's none none greater than him on earth but you you guys are all going to be greater than him in heaven and so there, there was all this great teaching and great things going on around John the Baptist and yes yet we have this intimate moment with him that really stood out to me and and really resonated with my heart first of all it's so personal to John the Baptist in this moment and it's so much a struggle between flesh and spirit, right? Because we do know that John, and we'll talk about this a little bit, but we do know that John um, was the one out there proclaiming that Jesus was the Messiah. Um, but now John finds himself in a situation where maybe circumstances have changed. He's in prison and he's suffering. And this cultural understanding at the time of who the Messiah was going to be starts like percolating a little bit in his head about where's this conquering king? Like, why am I suffering at the hands of the Jewish authorities and the Romans when if Jesus is out there, why isn't he like taking care of this problem? And I'm going to relate this. I I really think that I want to relate this to this week for me um, in regards to how easily it can be to get distracted uh, from who the Messiah is by our own circumstances. And it's just been in sort of a weird week, I think Brian would admit too, just like there were situations going on and things that need to be taken care of and sort of changes in patterns and schedules. And it just sort of threw me for a loop. And the way that that relates to my spiritual situation is I like to have like these disciplines and these structures with God, like <laughs> this understanding of Jesus and um, to spend this appropriate amount of time and say, you know, I trust Jesus and he really takes care of all these things. But sometimes I find myself in a week where I haven't, I'm just sort of distracted from that. And so I start setting these other expectations, either for myself or for him, that are not really who he is. Um, but it does impact my faith because it's it's moving away from the truth of who he says he is into this box that maybe I put him in. So this week it may have been, you know, why aren't these things happening? I'm doing these things. Why am I not seeing, you know, God on his side doing something? Um, and I'll just be honest, for me this week, is a lot of it's got to do with I'd sent out stuff for people to uh, support the ministry um, and uh really not as much response back as I thought. And I was like, well, this is important work. And God, don't you desire for me to be doing these things? And isn't this what you have called me to? But then, you know, when I have that little uh, negative impact back or some kind of expectation that I had set, suddenly I may be looking at Jesus a little bit different and that can erode my trust. So I had really have to lean in to him at that moment. But I can sort of understand where John is in this situation. I don't put myself too far from when we go into a circumstance where we're dealing with something tougher. We may actually have these doubts about, are you the one really is to come? Or should we expect someone else? Not, not that we weren't proclaiming you as Messiah, but maybe we've set these other expectations for you. And we're not really trusting you the way that we should. Yeah, man, certainly. And I, it's crazy that this verse was 
and it's so neat how the Holy Spirit works, is that this verse was actually in my scripture reading, and, and Jesus is speaking to me about it, and yet somehow this week you f- <laughs> you find yourself in that um, you find yourself in that prison cell with John the Baptist trying to decipher and discern these things. And I think certainly for me, I feel that same way at times. It has been, you know, I think for me, one of the things that that came out of this was, you know, the David Platt teaching series on radical. And this, this image from the video, the YouTube video that we were watching was, it's kind of burned into my mind where Jesus or where David Platt is on stage and he kind of holds up his hands and he says, the goal of this, this whole thing is that we get Jesus. That giving right. ministry, right. provision, all of the, you know, all these things that we look to, we tend to take our eyes off of him. And the goal is that we get Jesus. And how can I live my life in such a way where I actually, and I'm and, and, and physically guys, you can't see me, you know, we don't video these, but you know, David Platt holds up his hands and, and it's just this, this, idea of surrender. I just, I just need you. I just need and get you. And I'm on my knees waiting for that to happen. And yet somehow I ascribe financial success, paying the bills, uh, maybe even negative stuff, maybe a car breaks down or, you know, so on and so forth to, to him when really he's just the goal. And then I get to wake up every single day and know him. And actually that's kind of Jesus response here. To, to John the Baptist, you know? Yeah, it is. And Brian really hit it. I mean, this battle between spirit and flesh, right? Right. Um, and yeah, and we're going to talk here. We're going to go into the contrast of John earlier on when he's in uh, John 329 uh, through 36. But I want to speak this as a bit of encouragement for everyone. Um, we we sit in a place, you know, where we... Let's, let's take John and let's take our own faith walks, right? We know who Jesus is, right? We pro- proclaim Jesus in our life. We mentally agree with these things. Um, and then, you know, these things become part of our uh, emotional experiences as well. But we sometimes get thrown for those loops, especially in regards to the emotion. So we may be sitting and having knowledge. And I love this, what Brian was saying about Jesus is all. We have this knowledge. But then something swerves and we suddenly have this emotional response. And I think that's really what John was struggling with right here. This is an emotional response. Right. I, I, I think it's like he's knowing as he's saying it, this is an emotional response because of what he knew before. And I think I want to speak encouragement to all of you because you may have these emotional responses. Yeah. Because, you know, we live where things are changing. You're growing spiritually. You're maturing. You haven't reached there in all these areas, and neither have we. And so I just wanted to share a little bit about that because we do this battle of spirit and flesh is very real. And even as you're growing, even as you know things, you may still have these twangs or these experiences of these emotions, which you know are of the flesh and not from God, but it still doesn't mean that the emotion is just like not there. Uh, we still may experience those things. Man, and you know, even in my mind, I'm, I'm going back to the last podcast where, you know, we were maybe, maybe, not maybe, <laughs> we were probably pretty harsh mm-hmm. for some people that may be standing up on podiums and speaking these messages, but what a message even for us on the tail end of that to have compassion for those people and say, man, I can actually find myself there where 
I'm John the, I'm John the Baptist and in one moment in in John 3 I am full of the Holy Spirit yeah. and I am proclaiming the kingdom and I'm calling people out left and right and in the next moment I'm in this prison cell and I'm doubting everything doubting everything so you know so so let's let's talk for a second about about that you know here we are in John 3 you know and he's standing up in front of large crowds, crowds have been coming to see him, and 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 they weren't just there to hear the message that he was preaching. They were there to see the circus. I mean, a guy dressed funny and unshaven and unkept and eating dunking people in a river. I know they're <laughs> like, what is this all about? But um, but at the same time, you know, he is you know really walking in the spirit, and um, you know these things that he said, you know, like he says. He says, oh, I'm filled with joy at Jesus' success, and, and you know, I'm here to lift him up, and Jesus has to become greater, and I must become less and less. Uh, Jesus is from above, and he's greater than anyone here on earth. You know, don't, don't get mad at Jesus. He's just testifying of the things that he's seen in heaven from the beginning of time. There's no doubt in, in John's mind that he's sent by God. All these things John is proclaiming with confidence and and out there, and you know, I don't want to. And so it's it's great to hear that. It's great to hear that, and and contrast it with that. You know, tomorrow, if I keep my eyes fixed on who Jesus is and on the truth, I can actually live more in that space and circle back to it pretty quickly. Jesus is enough. That's Brian was saying earlier. Really relates to his experience going back. Right. Because even after all of these statements and all of these things, he finds himself in a situation where he's like, yeah, but I need more. Right. Um, you know, Jesus needs to be this conquering Messiah, right? This conquering Messiah is going to take over the, who's going to clean out all the dirt of the Jewish faith, right? Like go and just upend all that, remove the Romans as an occupying force um, and do all these things and missing though what Jesus was actually conquering. Right. Right? I mean, Jesus, as we know, conquered death which and conquered the enemy, the, the spiritual enemy, which is much greater than any world power or any kind of thing that is a man of temporal things. But Jesus replied. What was Jesus' response, well, though? Right? Because he, I, see, I think he sort of talks about the kinds of things that he's conquering. Right. To, back to John, when John's like, why are you... Really, he's asking, why haven't you done the things of the yes. expectations... Of these religious authorities who I actually was just calling serpents and all these other things earlier and these sons of the devil. And now I'm sort of like sitting in the same place as them as like, why aren't you doing these other things? Well, and first of all, could Jesus have done those other things? Right. Right. I mean, we have we have scriptural evidence of holes in prison walls being opened miraculously and people walking out of them. We we know that Jesus could answer that specific prayer, which really, I mean, it's a prayer, that specific petition and request that John was bringing to him through his disciples. And but so we know that he could, and yet let's look at his response. It's just, it's just phenomenal to me and such a lesson for me when I'm in these dark places that we're talking about. So in Luke 7, 22, Jesus replies to John through his messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, 
Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. What else do you want to see? Now, that, that, that was me at the end. But, but you know, but, that, but that's it. You know, Jesus is asking him, John, like, what else do you want to see? And at the end of the day, think about John's own life and death. At the hmm. end of the day. Hearing those words, the dead are raised, and realizing that he's about to get his head cut off by Herod. Think about, at that moment, the realization of, oh, this is my Messiah. This is who he said he was. And I can even imagine that in that moment that John had peace as he was going through that experience. Jesus is replying back to him and thinking he's speaking truth right into him that he, you know. And, And check this out. What didn't he say? Because because there is a phrase missing from that statement oh. from the from the scriptures in Isaiah. The slate. I have come to set the captive, captive free. free. So it's not just what he did say. He didn't say it's what that. he didn't say. Wow. That, you know that this this is kind of a revelation as we're sitting here. Giles and I are both kind of blown away because this is not something that that we had written down and that we had scripted out. But really, stop and think. What would that response have done to John? Would it have given him some sort of a false hope that he was going to be freed in that temporal and worldly way? I'm just going to bring it back to my own story that I was sharing with you just a few minutes ago. It's like, I really need to listen to what God, what Jesus is saying to me. Mm -hmm. Because he's, he is making promises just as Jesus is making promises here to John. But he may be actually saying, yeah, except for, I'm not going to say this, but I am going to say this. And so I need to really listen to the promises and not so get so caught up again in my own circumstances and let them be dictating. Or even saying, well, the faithfulness of God, if Jesus is faithful, he's going to do these things. When we see here that Jesus actually says, yeah, I do these things. But I also have a personal relationship with you. So there is a way that you are going to be the greater gift to John in that moment. Was this verse because the reality is John then knew who his Messiah is. And when he was going to be uh, killed, he could go into peace into that because he knew who Jesus was. That's right. That's right. And I think probably at this point when John is asking this, you know, he's, I suspect that he probably had an idea that he wasn't getting out. I mean, I think when you read the scripture about his beheading, I think it was a surprise to everyone when it happened, like and how, like when it happened. But I think John was probably he probably knew that this was probably not going to end well for him. You do wonder too if John said to his disciples, "Hey, what about this in Isaiah about the Messiah setting the captives free? Can you go ask Jesus about that?" <laughs> right, like, I know because he knew he knew the we scripture. Don't, we don't, yes, he knew it so well. I mean, he knew who the Messiah was. I just always wonder. We we don't ever get to know all these stories, but I think about our own times that we question God. We do ask questions like that. So I feel like John would have been probably doing the same kind of thing about this guy claims to be the Messiah, but. What about this captive that's up in here, up in this prison cell? Like? I know, and you know, and, and we talked previously about you know Jesus speaking in parables and the eyes to see and ears to hear, and and so here it is, and like you're sitting there, and did John was John, John was John was I mean he certainly he was expecting set the captives free, and he's like, is that the whole message? Did you 
did you leave a part out? Are we playing? Are we playing telephone here? Can, and you, you, ima- can you imagine that his disciples like re-looking at their notes and making? Did, did I miss a point in this note for you? Like, no. I'm pretty certain I wrote down everything he said. And um, but but man, what a great gentle, truth-filled response, and even what a great lesson for us. That Jesus' response to our plead, our mm-hmm. pleas, it may not be what we're looking for. He may have a greater purpose. And in this case, you know, you know what it was. Jesus had a greater purpose in mind that resulted in death on the cross and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, you know, to each one of us that was not possible with him living as a worldly human king. Well, I tell you, I, I mean, I appreciate so much about Jesus. I mean, this actually brings me so much peace looking through this process here because what I appreciate is that Jesus speaks truth. And, you know, we see that throughout Scripture over and over and over again. He is truth, so he speaks truth. But he speaks it so relationally. Like this verse, you know, we use this. We go and we read Luke 7. Uh, I mean, we go and reread Luke seven twenty two, and it really speaks to us. But in that moment, Jesus, too, is really speaking to John. To his friend, his cousin. To his friend. Yeah. And so the reality is, is that we need to take it and understand that this is the way that Jesus speaks to us. Like, it's so personal. It's so personal. It's such at that level. It is truth, but it is such a personal level. And so we really need to abide, you know, with him to understand that. And that was part of it too. I mean, John didn't have, he was separated from him. And so there was probably just a struggle of the flesh soul, but it's about abiding with, you know, Jesus in that way so that we can hear these messages and that we can have peace in our heart instead of me being all like anxious and stressed out over a week about things that are honestly totally out of my control. And the other part is, is I have always seen in my past the continual work of God in those kinds of situations, in all situations. And so what am I doubting? And this verse really speaks, though, is that, you know, it's part of this process of really listening to get what God is saying to you and not adding to it, right? not putting additional components onto it. So so let's transition because, because you know, what you're saying there is actually a great transition to where we want to conclude this with that basically we have the kingdom accessible to us all the time. And even so even when I'm in prison and even when I'm in these, in these right. places, I have the kingdom that's accessible to me. But we would be remiss if we didn't stop for a second and really dive into what is Jesus saying here about right. about the kingdom and about the what, what the kingdom looks like. And thank goodness, the majority of Jesus' teaching, when he when it's red letters, he's talking about the kingdom. He's not talking about what we see in our circumstances and what we see in front of us. He's talking about the kingdom of God. And how many times does he start? Well, the kingdom of God is, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is, you know. And, and so l- let's just go through some of those and remind people of what this kingdom is that Jesus is talking about when he responds to John. Yeah, so I think one of the first things that we see that Jesus is over and over saying in Scripture is the kingdom is near. And we see that in Matthew uh, 3, 2, 4, 17. If you guys want to check these verses out and read them, it says the kingdom is near. And uh, Matthew 10, 7, as well as in read the whole first chapter of Mark. Jesus is 
not this kingdom you're waiting on, like what John the Baptist was struggling with, but that the kingdom is near. Open your eyes and see the kingdom that is unfolding right in front of you. Right. And there it is, and there it is in his response in Luke 7. Open your eyes, see the kingdom that's going on right in front of you. What more do you want? The kingdom is here, the kingdom is close to you, and the kingdom comes through me, the person of Jesus. You know, John hears that. Uh, and again, I imagine it brings him peace because it resolves something within him. It resolves a false expectation um, that the culture had put upon him, and he suddenly sees the truth of what Jesus is saying in those moments and says, ah, okay, I get it now. And, and don't we have to wrestle with that? And this has been a big part of my reading here in Luke as we as we wrap up the Gospels in my Cleo group, and that is this concept that I really have to close my eyes and not look at the physical outside the window or my circumstances is another way of saying it. And I have to constantly, constantly, constantly turn back to Jesus because that's the only thing that is real. Well, and that reality of the kingdom being greater than the physical surroundings, than the reality that we see right in front of our eyes. I was just talking about that this week, saying when I read scripture is God is leading us down a path. And all of us, I know as we read scripture, God is leading us down a path of like what you're reading here and what you're seeing here and what God is saying to you is more real than anything else that you possibly, than even if you slammed your finger in a door. That's hard because we're so used to that physical, but he's equipping us and preparing us for the kingdom now, but also for the kingdom in eternity. So do we lean in or lean out with that situation, Brian? Perfect example, bringing it back to our real life, right? Last night, someone in our household, I won't say who, someone in our household. Let's just say they're not at this table. They're not at this table. Someone in our household I have, a, I have a nice little key rack that I hung by the main entry door into the house because we all share vehicles that, you know, whatever's available at any time, that's what you take. You grab the key and, and there's actually more than one in the household. There's actually a couple in the household that love to not walk in the door and hang that key up. And so what ends up happening is, is that keys end up in bedrooms and in pockets of jeans or purses, you know, depending on who the person is. And they do, and then, so what ended up happening was both sets of keys got locked in a vehicle, which creates a time issue that you have to stop. And, and I'm installing windows in my yeah. house. Brian had, so a very, the, let's, Brian had a very, let's just say, I can't imagine that his week wasn't as filled with almost <laughs> as many distractions as my, like, it's just been a very crazy week. And, and they were, it was just things that had to be done. So, so I just kind of tipped my hand a little bit that, the, that it was not me, um, that, that this happened to, I was home installing windows. Um, I had a friend, you know, help me do that. It was just great. But, um, so I am in the middle, like literally holes in the wall of the house installing windows. And I get a phone call and text that says, yeah, both sets of keys are locked in a car. I don't have time or capacity, both emotional or physical, to handle this, right? And you know, and and here's the thing: I find myself wanting to say, first of all, I've told you not to do this, and second of all, I I even put this nice little key rack by the front door 
that if like even a reminder and I found myself wanting to go into this place of shame and like, you know, you screwed up and oh my gosh, and be angry and mad and whatnot. But this idea that the kingdom is near yes, and that the kingdom is more real than my circumstances, I actually had a choice to make last night. And, I, and I'll admit, it slipped out of my mouth. It, it did, the gentle reminder slipped out of my mouth like, could, could you please just hang them? Like, could we, can we learn from this lesson and can we hang them up? But the old me and the one that's caught up in my circumstances and in my flesh would have just been a pit, just been pissed, right. really. I mean, just angry and mad. And, and I found myself actually, you know, wrestling with that and kind of choking that down and realizing, you know what? Like, this doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. So if I spend $80 on a locksmith, then maybe that guy's got a, I mean, he's got a business to run and a family to feed. And, and is God providing for that family in this way? Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that there's a possibility that we have roadside assistance with our insurance that I actually pay for a locksmith prepaid. You know, we have to look into these things. And it's like, you know what? Like it just, it just doesn't matter. So no conversation needed to be had. No no angry lash out, no passive aggressive lash out needed to be had. And, you know, there's an example even just of last night, how this decision that the kingdom is more real than my circumstances plays out. And, and, and I don't always handle it well. And even still, I, I tell you, I don't know that I handled it well, because I did say something and I probably just shouldn't have, but, but that's that wrestling that we all have on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, and so isn't it cool when it, Jesus tells us what this kingdom is like, we think about also his relationship with us. Yeah. Because I have a feeling that more than one time the disciples forgot something, messed right. something up, right. did something, but the grace that he continually shows. I think Brian and I just have to become better at speaking in parables to our um, to the people in our life. Because maybe that's a way that they'll learn these things. Because Jesus kept trying to say, like, I'm trying to teach you something. But but he had such patience. And I feel like Brian's short story is sort, sort of a the kingdom mindset in that situation is grace and patience. The flesh in that situation is what he was talking about, some of those things of the past. Anger, resentment. Even today, I guarantee you that even today, I know Brian and I've known him a long time. And I can guarantee you that... If he had reacted out of the way that he used to have been, today he'd be a wreck still. And we wouldn't be sitting here doing a podcast talking about these kind of things because he'd be all worked up about that situation, but just how much he's grown through that process. But him telling and sharing that story is such a good one about how we need to always constantly be seeking more of the reality of the kingdom. So the kingdom is near. The kingdom is full of servant kings, right? Right. And there and so even that same story, right. I got I got a choice to make of whether I can wash feet and be a servant and make myself less and actually lead out of grace. Jesus led out of grace. He led out of servanthood. Right. I mean, even his healing and st- even all the things that he said as he responded in terms of the blind receive sight, the lame walk. I mean, these are all the way he as our king and as the one ushering in this near kingdom mm-hmm. was serving uh serving us serving human beings right and you can you can look up some scripture about this Matthew 5 and 7:21 as well as Luke 6 and 7 those are great about the kingdom 
is full of servant kings. The kingdom, I'm going to jump down a little bit and then we can come back, but I want to talk about, I think his story is such a great thing about, in general, all of these things. The kingdom has fruit and growth. And I'm looking at that situation. I say, okay, are we building things up or tearing them down? Exactly. Fruit, right? Right. Are we building things up or tearing them down? And he had a choice in that moment. Do I build something up or do I tear it down? And we do that all the time in our relationships. We constantly have that choice. So I know that that's convicting to me. Am I out there creating fruit, building things up, or am I out there tearing things down? You know, from out of the from out of the heart comes the things out of the mouth, you know, that we speak. So it's really about do I have that kingdom heart or do I have that flesh heart when I'm reacting to a situation? And in this specific situation, what is more important? This vehicle, which the circumstances of the vehicle have not changed. I own the vehicle. It's paid for. It's relatively well-maintained. It's Nothing has changed, just its physical location and accessibility. Like nothing about the circumstances has changed. And yet in terms of building things up and tearing them down, like what what's more important? What is greater? And the relationship with my family member and my housemate is more important than the circumstances. You know, we can look at Mark 4.26, the parable and of the seeds to see about fruit and growth and uh what kind of soil? Where where are our words? What are they doing? The kingdom also has rest and protection. Right. I love the parable of the mustard seed um, in, in Luke 13 for rest and protection and, and how with, with faith so small as a mustard seed, out of it can grow this large shade tree where lots of birds can live and people can find rest and protection from the things that the creepy crawlies on the ground. And it's just a, it's a big one to me in terms of seeing the kingdom and seeing how, you know, Jesus and the kingdom is this, this huge tree that he is just inviting us. He is inviting us to, to be a part of, to be grafted into, to find shade and rest and protection and to invite others into that same space that we live in. Well, as we look at the first question we have, which is what kind of savior am I, am I looking for? Um, I think now as we have gone through, the kind of savior we're looking for is what kind of kingdom too we're looking for. Right. And so I think that um, the good news in this is, is that through Jesus' ascension and the gift of the Holy Spirit, He's this kingdom that he he speaks of, that Jesus speaks of, the one that he speaks back to John about what kingdom it is. That is the kind of kingdom that lives within us. And that kingdom, as we've been trying to emphasize here, is more real than whatever kind of kingdom we may want to be having created here, which is typically for what? for Would be for our own selfish desires of, I wish the kingdom was like this. But this kingdom that he provides, what a loving kingdom and what a gift to us and the ability for us to be able to reside in that kingdom now, building us up for that kingdom in eternity. You know, I even find myself sometimes in this statement that after the cross, and Jesus even said that having the Holy Spirit is better than having me, you know, and so I find myself in this space where I'm 
I'm acting like and I'm questioning like John the Baptist. But I'm forgetting that I'm actually in a totally different place than John the Baptist. Even though he had the Spirit and was filled with the Spirit and was doing that teaching, in that moment, Jesus was not with him in that moment. Right. And for me, and I and you, Giles, you know my my fruit to root from that first time through Kaleo is is that one of my biggest stories, and you guys that have listened to my testimony, you know, probably my biggest story is coming to this understanding first and foremost that that he does not leave me and that the and that the kingdom lives inside of me and that Jesus I'm never in that position of John the Baptist. Right. O- only if I cho- only only by my own choosing where I stiff arm Jesus and the Holy Spirit and keep him away. Oh, that's so good because Jesus himself says that. Right. He talks about John the Baptist and he says basically when the spirit comes even the greatest in the ki- that was in the kingdom before John right. the Baptist. It's going to be pale in comparison to what's going to be given to you. So, wow, that now we look through this whole process, right? Somebody who we know from an infant stage that the Spirit came upon him, John the Baptist, and that multiple times through Scripture, he's the Spirit is coming upon him. But in this moment, as he said, he was missing that, so he's missing Jesus, and we don't ever have to miss that. So we never have to be, we we don't have to find ourselves in that situation. So we may, if we stiff arm Jesus, just as Brian was saying, but this is how the kingdom is always a part of us. And we, we, we're never separated from that because of the Holy Spirit. So that kingdom that produces fruit and that brings rest and... And even the even my choice, even the response of the the Jesus response in me, because it wasn't me, to the whole situation of the keys, allows that is what invites and endears other people into the kingdom, and that's why we say like this is the good news, this is the good news, and I think we're finding all these young people that they've heard the news. <laughs> And they've watched the fruit of other people's lives, and they're not buying because what they're looking for is is they're looking for somebody that loves their spouse differently. They're looking for somebody that that doesn't get angry or lash out. They're looking for this person of Jesus in this kingdom, and it's been relatively elusive for them from people that call themselves religious and Christ followers. Right. So it's like Ephesians 3.17 says, when we, when Christ makes his home in our heart, when we accept Christ and he makes his home in our heart, we can then liquidate even to Romans 8, 9, and 10. What happens? We become not in this realm of the flesh, but we become in the realm of the spirit because the spirit is now living within us. So, I mean, there are so many scriptures that talk about these two kingdoms the kingdom of the flesh and the kingdom of the spirit. But it says, you know, when we accept Christ, we are adopted into this new family and adopted into this new kingdom. And so do we accept that, you know, first in the heart and then it starts to become external. It, start, it actually becomes part of this is what we eyes to see and ears to hear. This is how we experience our Where I choose, relationship. Choose to live differently, right. man. This that verse in Second Thessalonians chapter one. This has been one that, that I that blows me away, because the word "in" is such a simple little word in this one. But so, 
Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse twenty. Just it's just, it's just simple. It says, "He comes to be glorified in His saints." And you know, I know for me there was this teaching that, and 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 all of this is true. And Paul even shares quite a bit of this as well. But this idea that I'm a lowly worm and I'm not worthy and all this stuff. But this this idea of indwelling of the Holy Spirit and indwelling of Jesus and impartation into me is one that kind of blows me away, is that actually, no, he comes to be glorified inside of you. All of your faults, all of your personality, all of you, all of your story becomes becomes relevant with him living inside of you. But again, it's this whole idea of less of those things. Brian used to respond this way and more of him, but he didn't this time. What is going on with that? And you, you said so well a minute ago about how that plays out, almost always plays out in the context of relationship. That if I don't have a relationship with other people, how do they see that? How do they see that change? How do they see that you don't respond and speak like the world does? For my scripture debrief this week, I'm in a little bit different week than Brian is in my Kaleo group, but uh, Galatians 2.20 was one of the verses I picked out. And it's, uh, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I tell you, man, that's like, as I'm reading that now, and I'm thinking about where I struggled this week, I mean, it's, what life, what life am I choosing, right? I don't know. I no longer live. I have been crucified in Christ. And so these, these things, even if I'm thinking about, well, I need these things, if I'm looking at a means of selfish desire or like how to feed the flesh versus feeding the spirit, I'm going off the rails, and that's that's me straight arming Jesus and saying, "Hey, man, you know I can do this, or this is about me." And realizing, no, this is about Him, the Christ that lives in me, not about me. So I live by faith in the Son of God, and why? Because of what we talked about earlier. Why did He come? Because He gave Himself for me, right? And He gave Himself for all of us, and it is no longer us who live because of that sacrifice that he made for us so that we could have this eternal life in this eternal kingdom. Yeah. You know, and this is another one, what's such a great, such a great story too, because I know, I know Giles, I know where you're at. I know where you're at in this transition process work wise. And I know where you're at in terms of some woundedness that has come from the last endeavor and to be able to sit across from you and say, that to be able to say to you, like even, and I'll, and I'll just say it, and this may seem this may seem like a parable to the rest of you, but this is my friend that I'm having a conversation with across the table, and you guys get to invited, but you know, just to say to you that that yes, uh, the the world that we live in requires certain paperwork and certain things that need to be filed, and the world that we live in probably <clears throat> works works in such a way that we need a, 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 a good and awesome website to go on. But at the end of the day, your calling and your mission is to go and make disciples and that that only happens 
that only happens when you're living that life out of the out of your of who God says you are mm-hmm. and God living in you and it, and so where for me it may be the simple illustration of the keys i think for you it is a simple illustration of that stuff can wait and that there's a greater calling and that there's a greater good and i think even for me in this invitation that you've given to me I'm committed to that as well, to the greater calling and to be able to stop and say, good enough. Now get back out there. Right. Good enough. Get back out there. Right. And go do what he's calling you to do um, is something that, that I think I just want to speak that into you and affirm that Christ in you and what he's doing and what he's calling you to do, because that's where he lives through you. No, thank you. Thank you, Brian. That means a lot. So, yeah. So, guys, you know, as we've been sharing today, what a, we just want you to, like, what kind of savior are you looking for? Um, but we also want to thank you just for listening to our story, too, as well, and, our, and uh, for us being vulnerable. We hope that as we continue to have these conversations with you in the upper room, that we will include those things so that you can feel um, maybe even encouraged that we struggle with a lot of these things that we speak about as well. So it's not like we have arrived um, in all of those things, but we hope that you uh, continue this uh, journey with us as we all grow into who Christ has called us to be and that we all continue to um, be encouraged by him to do the kingdom work that he has for us. So I, I just wanted to thank all of you for that. Absolutely, and, and and thanks for your vulnerability today, Giles. And I think to our listeners, we always we always at the end say, "Listen, you can't know him, and you can't have this if you're not pursuing it and seeking it." And carve out time to spend with Jesus. Get into His Word. Ask Him what He wants to tell you, and He will be faithful, and He will speak to you in these ways that that we've shared that he's speaking to us every day and then listen because he may leave out something with you like like he did with john as brian picked up listen really listen because um he will he will he has plans for you and he has plans for you to prosper and when he talks about that he's talking about prospering with him and prospering in the kingdom that's right thanks for the conversation giles thanks everybody for tuning in Uh, we will be back with you again next week thanks brian Thank you.